Good morning, everyone. My name is John Ray. Welcome to Grace Church. We're really glad you're here. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church, and I get to be involved with um, the teaching every Sunday morning. And things were getting desperate in the Ray House many years ago. It's, it's appropriate that my buddy Vitaly is here because his story ties with the work we were doing in Belarus and the former Soviet Union at the time. But Jane and I had become convinced we, we really felt like we wanted to move to Belarus on a, on a full-time basis. We felt like that was something that God wanted for us. Our hearts were there. We had been working, helping pioneer the work there that Youth with the Mission was doing at a time. And so as part of that process, we gave up the lease on this small house that we had that we really enjoyed and moved into a trailer home thinking that it would only be for a few months, that it would just be a transitional thing before we moved across the ocean to live in the city of Minsk. Things didn't work out that way. We never ended up moving to Minsk and um, ended up being stuck in this trailer. And, and those of you, you know, who live in this area know about tornadoes and everything, that those aren't the, always the safest abodes when winds come blowing through across the plains of Oklahoma. And not only that, but Jane was pregnant with our fourth child, Olivia, and we were, <coughs> we were getting desperate. I mean, we were crammed in at the seams, didn't like where we were living, we were disappointed because we couldn't move, and we just, we just desperately wanted a, a place, a house that was stable. Things reached, though, a critical point when instead of a tornado one night, we had straight-line winds come through, and uh, Jane sometimes... When I tell this story, she's raising her hand in the back. So Jane was taking a bath when the winds came through. She was nine months pregnant at the time. And when 70 mile an hour winds come through and you live in a trailer home and the whole thing starts shaking and literally the, the siding starts to be peeled back like a tin can and your nine month pregnant wife comes running naked through the hall because the whole thing, <laughs> you know it's time for a move. You know it is. We have got to get out of this place. And it's, it's a story to the testimony of God that, that within just a few months, um, someone actually bought a house for us to live in, one made of brick. But before we got that house, God did something in us that gave us a home. And that's what we're going to talk about as we look at our text this morning. So if you would, pray with me. Jesus, we're so grateful. The worship that we just experienced. To sing our love for you. To find the freedom from our fear in your presence. Everything that we long for, that the world desperately needs, is found in you. So as we look at this text today, as we look at your story, your unfolding redemptive thread, God, we ask that you establish us in your presence, that you establish our home in you. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So since the start of September, we've been following this redemptive thread throughout the arc of the story. And what we see is these individual stories, experiences, and people all giving us a glimpse, all giving us an opportunity to see a much bigger picture than any one story could encapsulate. The things woven together by these redemptive threads. We're also doing this with with a Christological hermeneutic, which means that we understand the things in the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. We have the incredible perspective of looking at everything from this side of the cross, of knowing who Jesus is and what he was about and what he came to do. And not only that, but we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us personally and as a community to help us interpret and live into and own these stories. But we always start with, well, what did it mean to the original hearers? What did it mean to the original audience as part of that process? And so let's look at this story and see what we can find. This is, uh, we're reading from 2 Samuel 17. It says, The king, and this is King David, settled into his palace, for the Lord gave him relief of all his enemies on all sides. The king said to Nathan, and Nathan was his prophet, his priest, he said, Look, I am, David said this, Look, I am living in a palace made from cedar while the ark of God sits in the middle of a tent. We remember the tabernacle that People took the presence of the Lord with them. And we need to stop here and understand that this is the key word. You'll see it translated palace. You'll see it translated house. You'll see it translated dynastic house. But it's all the same Hebrew word. Eight times it's used in this passage. And that is the key element that we're looking at. Is this house. This idea of home. And Nathan replied to the king. You should go and do whatever you have in mind. The Lord is with you. Now, stop for a minute. Nathan's a prophet. Nathan hears from God. He speaks to the king. But here, he, he speaks before he listens. And we're going to see that Nathan is actually going to eat these words in a minute. But it's obvious. I mean, what we're going to see here is this, this, this human way we respond to things, this human way we interpret things, and then we're going to see how God defines them. David comes in and he sits down and he goes, I've got, a, I've got a house. Why doesn't God have a house? Nathan looks at David and goes, man, the Lord has given you rest on all sides. You've defeated all your enemies. You're finally here. God is obviously with you. Do whatever it is you want to do. And then God shows up and God gives his perspective. And this is what he says. He says, that night the Lord told Nathan, go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Do you really intend to build a house for me to live in? Now, don't miss the sarcasm here. Do you really intend to build a house for me to live in? I have not lived in a house from the time I brought the Israelites up from Egypt to the present day. Instead, I was traveling with them and living in a tent. Wherever I moved among all the Israelites, I did not say to any of the leaders whom I appointed to care for my people, Build me a house. Why have you not built me a house made from cedar? Do you see what's happening here? David David is making assumptions. David is trying to to bring these things. Nathan is like, he's making assumptions. 
David's, David's been given victory by the God. He must do these things. And they both missed this idea that God doesn't need a house. God has been with, with them wherever they've been. It's his presence that makes the place home, not the four walls with that. So now say this, and to drive his point home, this is what the Lord says. So now say this to my servant David. This is what the Lord of hosts says. I took, I took you from the pasture and from your work as a shepherd to make you a leader of my people Israel. Total role reversal. You see what's happening? David says, I'll build God a house. God says, you'll build me a house? Let me tell you something. I've never needed a house. I've never wanted a house. Plus, I took you when you were a shepherd. This is, this is, I'm the one who gives gifts here. I'm the one who calls out. I'm the one who establishes. I was with you wherever you went. And I defeated all your enemies before you. Now I will make you as famous as the great men of the earth. I will establish a place for my people Israel and settle them there. They will live and not be disturbed anymore. Last week, Feli did such a fantastic job in her story of saying how quickly we move to make ourselves the hero, the center of the story. How quickly we move to make the story about us. And God will not have any of it here. He's saying, I'm the one who delivered you. I'm the one who defeated your enemies. And you know what? I'm the one who's going to make you great. It's not you, it's not your house building, it's not your warrior skills, it's me. I will make, and the Lord declares that you yourself will, I, that I will build a dynastic house for you. And that, there's that image of house again. When the time comes for you to die, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons, to succeed you. And I will establish his kingdom. And he goes on, he says, He will build a house for my name, he will make the, and, and I will make his dynasty permanent. I will become his father, and he will become my son. When he sins, I will correct him with the rod of men and with wounds inflicted by human beings. But my loyal love will not be removed from him, as I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will stand before me permanently. Your dynasty will be permanent. Nathan told David all the words that were revealed to him. All of this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. As I said earlier, we see this line being fulfilled in Jesus. But, but that was in what the original hearers heard. They couldn't imagine that. Their imagination was limited by what they saw in the political realm and the rulers of men. We have the perspective to see that that what God was promising far exceeded anything in that and was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. But understanding that cautions us as well that there are things that we may feel God promises us that we misinterpret, we make assumptions on. And we put our faith in our assumptions about how those things should be fulfilled instead of the one who makes the promise with that. But let's see what that thing, what does this mean for us? Let's see and look at what this means now for us through the lens of Jesus, understanding now that we are the church indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What does this promise to David mean to us? Well, I think the first thing it means 
is the word that is repeated here eight times, is this house, this idea of home. Families are torn apart trying to hold on to them. People fight wars over them, risk everything in search of one. A place that promises rest and security. A house to call our own. Listen, we may be young and excited about hitting the adventures of the world, and we don't really think about a house a lot. You're not thinking necessarily about, hey, I really want a house. But there will come a day. There will come a day where that is very important. And all of us at a very deep level long to be established in a house, in a place. And listen, I think that's God-given. I think that's a grace to us. I think that that is an urge that God creates in us that he wants to fulfill with that. It's a foundational element of God's grace that God has created us with this longing. But this house that God's promises, we have to understand that he shows here in the sarcasm, in the way that he lovingly rebukes David and his desire, is that that house ultimately is only found in him. Now, when we talk about house here, it's important to understand. When we think of house, when we say a house, we think of a physical structure. And this word encompasses that. But it encompasses a lot more. Back then, in, in ancient times and even in some other cultures, when you say, I am, the, I am of the house of, what you're talking about is you're of the lineage of. You're of the family of. You are covered by. It makes your identity, and it's not so much established in a physical place, a physical structure, as it is in the idea of the concept of that community, that family community. And the other thing, as we're going to see in a minute, is that it encompasses something more than that, with that. But let's think about that for a minute here. We are of the household of David. As believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of, in Jesus Christ, not ethnically, not by blood, not even by culture, as much as by calling. That we are called to follow the king of the line of David, Jesus Christ. And as we follow him, he includes us into his household. He calls us and gives us the name so that we could say, with all integrity, I am of the house of Jesus. We, Grace Church, are of the house of Jesus. That's our home. Not Gryffindor or Slytherin. <laughs> as much as the house of the Messiah. The house of Jesus. So this, this promise that was made to David is made to us. And I have to ask, have you experienced this house of God? If not, know that you are welcome in it. You are welcome in the house of God. All through Scripture, we see this invitation extended. It is closely, is closely aligned with the idea of adoption. It is also this idea of no longer being cast out or cut off, but included. It is reflected in the idea of having an old name taken away and being given a new name, a future and a hope. 
It is encompassed with the great theme of not being a people, of being scattered, but being made a people in Jesus. All of these ideas are carried through. We see time and time again throughout Scripture that come to fruition in Jesus. That this house that is promised to David so many centuries ago has only grown. Not only has it been established, but multiplied throughout the earth until ultimately we will see its fulfillment as described by John in Revelation where people from every tribe and every tongue are gathered into that house. It is a powerful metaphor for our salvation that we are of the house of Jesus no longer the houses of this world. And with that house comes a heritage. This house God promises in the passage seems to be tied up pretty tightly with an ancient historical figure and people. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to be found in the house of God and rest there? Well, I would say a huge part of that deals with our identity because once we take on that name, once we take on that badge, that crest, as Teresa talked about, the, the things they're finding in, her, in Alex's dad's house with the crest, the cornet crest on them. When we get all that heritage, all of a sudden our own stories are subsumed into the grand story of God. And, and now our house, we have this heritage. We have the heritage of the saints. We have the heritage of the prophets. We have the heritage of the people of Israel as they moved through, guided by God. All of this comes to us, and from that we gain our identity. From that we start to find our strength. From that we start to find out who we are. Because we live in a world that is trying to define you by a thousand other things. By how much money you make. What's the color of your skin? What's your educational level? How many Facebook friends do you have? How many likes do you get on your Instagram post? All those things, they're, they're, they're trying to strip the heritage of being a child of God, of the family of God, of the house of Jesus, and define you by these other things. And those things will always fail. It is only the identity that comes from being in the house of Jesus, of having the heritage of the God, the great I am, that gives us security and strength, that casts away fear and gives us purpose with that. In ancient times, the house you belonged to defined everything about you. It defined who you could marry, what kind of job you could have, what your social status was, what your economic future would look like. Your house determined everything. And I would say that's the same as true today. Being in the house of Jesus defines everything about us. That is the thing that is to define us. That is the thing that is to guide our imagination. That is the thing that is supposed to be the ultimate truth deepest about us is that we are loved and accepted, adopted, incorporated into the house of the Messiah, the house of Jesus. 
that was promised here. And it is all received by grace. It is all received by grace. There's nothing we can do to earn this. There's nothing we can do to reciprocate this. We can't turn around and build God a house. <laughs> build God a house? I mean, how ridiculous. How crazy to think that the one who has seen us since before we were born, while we were yet being knit together, the one who has seen our entire lives played out, the one who has called us when we could not love God, yet created us in us love for God, the ability to respond to his invitation. That's our identity. That's where we get it. And we just receive it by grace. And all of this in us creates hope, true hope, real hope, not, not the facile, fleeting hopes of the world, but hope that carries us through divorce, bankruptcy, depression, death, disease, war. That hope, when we, are, when we find ourselves in the house of Jesus, when we embrace the heritage and let that identify it, it creates that hope. So how do we live into that? How do we live into that hope today? Well, let's go back to the trailer. So soon after the incident with the straight line winds, um, I was at my end. I mean, I was done. I felt like an utter failure. Felt like we were supposed to move to Belarus. We didn't move. I was supposed to provide for my family. We're stuck in a trailer, the end of Tornado Alley. Uh, what happens? And that's when I, the only thing that I can describe it as is, is some kind of supernatural experience, but God just opened my heart to see the house that he had given, this house that he established through Jesus, that he had ordained since the foundation of the world. This idea that in God, all the promises of God are yes and amen. That God was for me, not against me. That God had not abandoned me, but was there present with me. That God's love was not contingent on my spiritual temperature, but was ever present. And this revelation of the love and the presence of God was so overwhelming, was so real at that time that what I was able to see was all the other places where I had put my hope, all the other addresses I had throughout my life were prison camps, were gas chambers, were houses made of straw built on sand, that there was nothing that was going to save me that I could do. No amount of education, no amount of success, no amount of pleasure in this world, but it was only in Jesus. And in Jesus, all of those things would be made manifest. That the deepest things, the most important things, the eternal things, were, were, weren't just going to be done, but they were already done in that. That's the house that he gave me. And no matter where our address is now, no matter where we live, no matter where we get mail, 
That's not my house. That's not my home. My home is in the house of God. My home is in the house of Jesus. That is an eternal address established. And that is the one that is open to all of us for us to live into. So I'm going to ask the the worship team to come up. We're going to take some time to reflect on this. We're going to take some time to come to the table to share because this is the family table in the house. This is the family table in the house of the Lord. This is the table that Jesus sets. When you walk up to this table and you take the cup and the cracker, it's because you belong here. You're a member of this house. This is your heritage. This is our hope. This is our identity. It's found together in this house. And all the other things that seek to define us, all those other things that seek to break us away, set us at war, bring tension, they're done away with at this table. They're done away with by the cross. They're done away with by the Messiah. This is our family crest. This is our heritage. So come to the table today. Freely welcomed. Warmly wanted. Come to this table. Be part of the family of Jesus.